We'll begin tonight as a conversation at the front of the room. And I promise not to monopolize the conversation for too long. After about 35 minutes or so, I'll open it to your questions. And then, hopefully, we'll have Blackwell's outside for a book signing to follow. Ala, your loyal readers are thrilled to be getting a new novel from you set in Egypt, unlike Chicago, and with a rich cast of characters and an intricately woven plot. This is a book that's much closer to the Akubian building than was Chicago, but it's totally new in its own way. It's set in the last years of the monarchy with revolutionary and anti-imperialist movements in the air and challenges to social conventions in an Egyptian society that's undergoing very rapid change. Egyptians are behaving differently in your book than they would have done a generation earlier. These are three-dimensional characters who eat and drink and fight and make love, who plot and hope and despair. This is real human comedy and human tragedy. It's real Allah al-Aswani material here. So I guess the first question I want to ask, having read the book through, is when do you actually imagine the book as having been set? What is the date when these events are taking place? Very good question. Thank you very much, and thank you for coming. And uh, thank you, my dear friend, Shin. And uh, I'm very happy to be with you uh, today. Uh, well, you, you don't decide uh, to, write, uh, to write a novel because, you know, the novel is something uh, more complicated than just uh, a speech or an article. You feel like writing a novel. Uh, you're motivated not uh, by an idea but by, by an emotion. Accordingly, I have projects for... For, uh, for my novels a long time ago, and every time I put details in the, in the file, waiting for a kind of click, waiting for a moment I feel I would uh, write this novel and not the other novels. And accordingly, the decision of writing a novel is, is absolutely, there is something which is not definable. Uh, uh, it's it's to me it's very close to uh, falling in love. You 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 don't fall in love with a man or with a woman because you decide to. Uh, you will be in trouble if you do that. Uh, but you you and why this man or this lady? And you have probably potentially other ladies or other men who are more attractive, but uh, it is not definable. I mean, you just fall in love, and that's why you, you, you cannot say, I decided to. Of course, uh, if we accept this, uh, that the, the main reason is not definable, then we could find some uh, factors, factors, not the reasons, but some other factors. It's like I was related to the automobile club. My father, Abbas Aswani, who was a writer, and the, no, uh, and the novel uh, and the lawyer, he was a lawyer of the automobile club, and I used to go with him when I was a kid. He was in his uh, office in the automobile club, and I spent uh, I spent uh, some time, many times. Uh, uh, I spent the whole day with uh, the servants, the people who were working, and uh, I'm talking about the 60s when I was a kid, and then uh, uh, most of the servants uh, had been working with the king. So they told me stories, and I had this atmosphere when I was king. Uh, the restaurant, the table of the king, uh, the playing cards 
of the of the king. The king used to to sit here. So I think I had this in in my mind, and then at at some point I felt like I would love to write this novel. I I would finish the answer with a wonderful sentence by Isabella Yandy. Isabella Yandy said. Uh, we do not invent novels, but we discover them. And I believe that this is very true. Uh, it's, it, it's like what she wanted to say is that any novelist has novels in his heart, in his mind. He's not going to invent. He just wants to concentrate to get them out. But I'm a historian. Yes, I know. And I like to know when things happen. Yeah. And this is clearly before you have the revolution in 1922. Ah, yeah, talking about the dates, yes. But when do you see it set? Like- uh, I began 2000, you know, it's in, when the first page of any novel is like when you have... Uh, when you have a new baby born, then it's it's uh, you cannot forget. That was uh, uh, 15 October 2008 when I <laughs> yes uh, when I really had the first page because when you write the first page of a novel, it means that you uh, you you did write the novel. I mean, you, the novel is in your hand, and it's a question of time. So uh, and then I kept working on uh, on the novel, and then I stopped for the. Because I, I I have the honor to to have participated to the Egyptian Revolution, so I stopped for one year and a half, and then got back to writing. Uh, so I finished by March uh, 2013. But what year do the events take place? <laughs> what event? Well, of the book. Yes. I, I want to know whether this has happened after 1942. Or after 1945? Ah, yeah, all right, all right. So I answered two other questions. You've done yeah. really well, though. These are great answers. Very good. <laughs> but you, this guy is very polite. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah. But persistent. <laughs> I was answering other questions, and he said nothing. Eh? Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, no, it happened in the late 40s, because you have a sign here. Of course, I'm not supposed, as a novelist, to tell you, because this is not a book of history. Uh, I'm not supposed to tell you exactly the dates but if you really want to to know the dates fine there was a cholera yeah. cholera uh, in Egypt the yeah. cholera in Egypt had this we had this problem of cholera 19, uh, 1947 yeah. excellent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this is a more experimental book in some ways than the previous novels that you've written it opens in the first person so you talk as though it's Ala El Aswani speaking to the reader. It's a writer's encounters in a winter evening in a beach resort away from Cairo, the sort of retreat away from all the worries of the workplace and whatnot, just before printing out the final copy of the book. Yes. And who should the writer run into? I'd like... I always like hearing a writer read a bit of their own work. So can I ask you to read a couple of pages? Yes, of course. This is where the undisclosed first-person speaker is encountering a young lady outside his front door. Yeah. The woman answered in a cheerful voice, Good evening, sir. I kept looking at them. The man then spoke in the tone of someone addressing an old friend. We're very sorry to bother you, but we have come to see you on a serious matter. I don't know you. 
actually, you know us very well. She smiled as she said this. I noted the confidence in her voice and responded, Excuse me, I think there is something, some mistake. There is no mistake, she said, laughing. You know us very well. The situation became even more curious. The man smiled and said, Don't tell me you don't remember seeing us before. I started to feel afraid. I was having an odd sense of déjà vu. The man and the woman did in fact look familiar, as if I had seen and spoken to them before, as if my previous meeting with them had lain buried in my memory and then suddenly resurfaced. In a loud, in a loud voice I said, I don't have time for readers. Who are you? And what do you want? With disarming calm, the man answered, Are you going to leave us standing at the door like this? Let us in, and then we will speak. So, the man opened a pack of red Lucky Strike cigarettes. He held one with two fingers and then taped it on the back of his hand before putting it in his mouth and lighting it with a small lighter. He took a deep drag and said, I am Kamel Gaffer, and this is my sister, Saliha Gaffer. You can't be. You can't be. He laughed and spoke slowly. I know that this is a difficult turn of events for you to absorb, but it's true. I am Kamil Abdelaziz Gaffer, and this is my sister, Salha. I stared at his face and suddenly angry. I snapped. Listen, I'm not going to let you waste my time. Please stay calm until I have explained everything to you. I don't, I don't want an explanation. Thank you very much. I have work to do. The woman smiled and said, but we are part of your work. And the man added, actually, we are your work. So we have here, Ala, an encounter. I must, uh, I must uh, before uh, discussing this, I must uh, really appreciate the wonderful translation because the translator is here, Mr. Russell Harris. Thank you very much for your translation. Compliments to the translator. So you have an author yes. entering into a surreal exchange yes. with the f- literal figments of his imagination, the characters of his novel. Where is this coming from, Ala? First off, are you the author? Yes. So this is you? I will never deny it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is you? Yes, it is me. Yeah. Do you have an apartment up in Agami or... Yeah, yeah, in Sahel Shamali, in Sahel Shamali. That was in Sahel Shamali, North Coast. In Sahel Shamali. Yeah, yeah. So this is you. And Yeah, and even the, you know, when he went to, uh, because that was during winter. So uh, when he went to the chalet and everything was closed, his wife advised him to do one, two, three, four, and not to, you know, to spoil things. And this is exactly what my <laughs> wife said. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. So did you have this encounter with your characters? Yes, because this is not uh, 100% imaginary. And uh, why? Why? Because, and you know, you create the characters, and then at some point, and this happened with all the novelists, at some point, the ca- you lose control on the characters. No, you totally lost control of these characters. Yeah, but that was too much a little bit. But, but usually, you you cannot decide for your characters. I mean, you in the beginning, you 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 just uh, you, you you try to to imagine them, and then you believe at some point they do exist. Of course, they will be invisible, but they do exist. And then you try to uh, to push them a little bit in the in the drama, and then at some point you you really lose control. And I give you example by Jacobian uh, uh, building. Uh, in Jacobian building, there was an old man who fell in love with a young lady, and both of them were arrested by the Egyptian police. Uh, of course, humiliated by the Egyptian police, and uh, she she just uh, he told her. They were released, and he told her we should forget everything. And she said, no, I will never forget. I have been always an unhappy person. And then uh, that was the end of the chapter, and I wrote what she said, and I felt very bad for her the whole day. And then in, uh, on the next morning, uh, I, I, uh, I wrote very early in the morning, so on the next morning, I opened my laptop and I realized they they, they decided to get married. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I was very happy for them uh, because because they made the right decision. <laughs> and uh, I remember that I I get I got out of my office and there was my wife and I was like smiling and she said what. What happened? Uh, and I said they got married. <laughs> you know. Uh, so just to give you an example that I really lose control of my characters. Accordingly, what happened is that I just pushed what happens a little far, right? Is that they came to me and they objected? Yeah, they don't. They, they are not happy with you. I mean, they are not happy. The only thing I would say is, and you're a very honest writer. Then, yes, yes. Is that your first critics? Yes. Are actually your own characters. Now I'm not going to make you read yeah, no, no, beyond no. that, but there's one more passage I want you to share because it scans as a good auto critique. Yes, yes. So if you take up from, uh, yeah, what he said from Camel. Yeah. Actually, right here. Yeah. But uh, you it's, have it's you have characters uh, also who are stupid. Huh? We should admit. Uh, no, these are not stupid yes, characters. Right. A bit of respect. So you, I mean, he's criticizing me, but he's stupid. Now yeah. you've got to just read. You've just got to read. All right, all right. In a loud voice, I said, "Let's assume that you are speaking the truth, and even that you are Kamel and Saliha Gafar. What do you want from me?" Kamel smiled broadly tapped the ash from his cigarette into the ashtray and said, Ah, you see, sir, we have come here in all seriousness to stop you from printing out the novel. By what right? I said. The novel is really rather good, but it's lacking few things, such as, as if by some prearranged plan, Salih has smiled and chimed in. Some of our thoughts and feelings are absent from the novel. 
I said, I have expressed the thoughts and feelings of my characters quite well enough. Ah, you have expressed them from your point of view. Naturally, I am the author. Why don't you let us speak for ourselves? No one has the right to interfere with my work. Cameron remained silent for a few moments as if he was looking for the right words and then said gently, Sir, please trust us. We know just how much effort you have made, but you cannot describe our thoughts and feelings by proxy. That's what all authors do. But our case is different. We have come to life. It is our right to be able to speak for ourselves. We've got some important elements that need to be added to the novel. I rose from my seat and as shouted forcefully, listen, it is my novel. I wrote it from my imagination and experience. I will not allow anyone to add a single word that I haven't written. Thank you very much. Now, they were fairly polite. In a way. But they're very not, critical. Not very, So my yeah. question to you, the next time we see Kamil and Saleha, it is in 1947 Egypt. Yes. Deep in a novel of many hundreds of pages. Yes. The version that we read, did it reflect changes that you made after talking to Kamil no, no, and Saleha? No, 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 I got, uh, I obeyed. Or did you print that. it no, no, I know, the way I you had yeah, it? Yeah. I, I thought... You know, that was my first reaction, and then I kicked them out, and then uh, I thought that it was not the right position, and I think that they had a point, and I tried to find them again, and I failed. Saliha left a CD in the chalet before uh, leaving, and then uh, I asked the people, and they said, "We, we... we saw nobody, and I said, fine, then probably that was a kind of uh, hallucinations. And then when I got back, I found uh, the CD, and this CD is a novel. So it is my novel, but there are two characters who added things that I did not write. So it is a new and improved version? Uh, uh, yes, in a way. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, because Alhamdulillah. I was really worried that I read this whole book knowing that the primary characters did not approve of the way no, you described you them. Could, you could consider them as my assistant. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't come across that way. They were much more forceful. Yeah. I would call them your editors. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, having opened with one experiment, and honestly, I've never seen a moment like that. It's sort of like in Atamlikul Fam. In Tawfiq al-Hakim, yes. when the family sees a stain in the wall that suddenly becomes inhabited with characters, yeah. you think, this is sort of... No, but that was, uh, that was uh, present. All It has been present in literature. I mean, you have uh, six uh, characters searching uh, for uh, an author, uh, yeah. Luigi uh, Brandello. You, ha- you have, I mean, it was... Uh, uh, and I think it's very, uh, I mean, it's very linked to... Uh, uh, the, the know-how or the way of fiction writing, because uh, you, you you know my my uh, the founder of uh, my uh, my Italian publishing house. He was a, a great intellectual in, uh, in Italy. His name was uh, 
his name is uh, Jean Jacomo Feltrinelli, and he said mm-hmm. that despite all, with all my respect, of course, he said despite all the classifications of the departments of literature, right? I only know two kinds of novels: the dead novels and the living novels. And my job is to publish the living ones. And I believe that this is very true. What is very important is to be, to write a novel which is living. I mean, the reader could feel that these are true characters and they are real people. Accordingly, you cannot do that unless you feel yourself as a novelist. You are convinced yourself that these people exist. Well, your characters are not only living, but they're in riot. Absolutely. They are revolting against your authority. Revolting, yeah. Now, this is the first book that you've written, or the first novel you've written, that is not set in the Mubarak era. Yeah. But like Yakubian Building and like Chicago, there is still a fascination with abusive authority figures. And the fact we don't have a Mubarak big man doesn't mean we don't have at least three truly oppressive characters, monsters. They are the king, who goes from the beautiful young king of hope of 1936 to quite a debauched fellow by the time you describe him in 1947-48. And you have this Mr. Wright, who is the president of the club or the chairman of the club, who's just, I mean, he's, he's such an evil imperialist, he's almost not credible The man's willing to prostitute his own daughter to advance his own standing in Egyptian society. But the real horror of your book is actually an Anubian, an Egyptian, who goes by a title rather than a name, El-Kul, who is the most violent of any of your characters against the Egyptians, against his fellow working men. So... Talk to me a little bit about where these monstrous characters come from. We'll start with the king here, because he's a historic character. When you write about historic characters, there's a certain amount that we already know from documentation about their lives and behavior and personalities that you've got to make sure that your novel's credible with. So this depiction of the very, very debauched king that you give us. No, you're totally, as a novelist, free to, to write any fiction you want. But when it comes to history, you should respect the facts. So uh, I read, uh, you should respect the historical facts as a novelist, and then underneath, you, you write fiction as you would. So uh, all what, what is historical fact it is not, is in this novel is true, is mm-hmm. historical fact. And I read a lot in, in English, and, and in, in English, French, and, and even in Arabic uh, about the King Farouk. And... The, the character, the personality, I mean, historically, that he, that, that, that was, the king for was like that. But, of course, this is a fiction writing, so you add things, and, you know, uh, for, for the coup, the coup is, to me, very interesting, because uh, we all, and because we always present the dictator uh in literature uh, as a bad guy, a corrupt guy, very very much violent. And this is true, but I try to explore another aspect of the dictator. Uh, the dictator, for many people, and I'm sorry to say that, but this is the truth, 
uh, is a protecting father. Mm. Even if he was corrupt, mm. he is a protector. He is a protecting father. There are many people who cannot imagine life without their father. Not their father, their father, biological father, but their father, the dictator. And they feel very, very comfortable <laughs> to have the dictator in power. And they feel almost, and I'm sorry, uh, this probably would make some of our friends uncomfortable, but this is the way it is. They, there are people, especially in the societies which were ruled by dictators for a long time, you have people who are looking, who feel comfortable if there would be a dictator. And they would tell you that we really need in this country a tough dictator. Uh, accordingly, I tried to explore this. And I presented, uh, I presented the, the co. The co is the protector of the servants, and he is the one... He's a chamberlain as well. I mean, yes. he's, he's got a place in the royal palace. He is uh, the, the king of the servants and the servant of the king. Right. You see. But Who plays this role in the automobile club as well. Yes. So he goes between the palace and, and the automobile club, yes. which gives him tremendous power. But when some young servants revolted and they said, they made a little revolution, they said we should be treated uh, on a respectful basis... <laughs> He said, okay, I will do that, but no more money. And then, interestingly, uh, the people, the, the, the most of the servants, uh, became aggressive, not against the dictator, but against the revolution, you know. Uh, and I was very happy because many critics in in other languages, uh, said that despite the fact that this novel happens in the 40s, it's very much linked to what's happening in the Arab world now, mm -hmm. especially in Egypt. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the same questions are raised. Is, mm -hmm. is everybody prepared to pay the price for freedom? Is the freedom priority really for everybody? Is, if, if the choice will be either you you have your bread and security, or you, you will fight for your freedom. How many people will fight for their freedom regardless uh, what they are going to lose, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And these are re very, very much re relevant questions. Of course, uh, a novelist uh, is not supposed to, to give answers. This is not my, uh, as far as I understood, uh, this is not this is not my my job. I mean, the novelist should raise questions for the people to to try to to think about it. So I believe that uh, yes, of course, and also the relation between Egyptians and, and Westerns is the same. You say that uh, James Wright is a terrible person. Of course, he's a terrible person. But I believe, and I have I have really uh, a. a in, in experience that there are many people who speak like uh, James Wright, uh, who don't speak, but they think like James Wright. James Wright is the he's, he's Englishman yes. who is the, is he the secretary or the, the president of the, the president Club? of the automobile He's a very powerful yes. man in the club yes. and yes. in society as a result. Yes. And he is sort of an arch-imperialist. Yes. 
with very Cromerian, you know, sort of like Cromer's views yes. of Egyptians. Yes. So these, these men exercise power over Egyptians. But I, I come back to the point that of all of them, the one who is cruelest to the Egyptians that we encounter in your book is Al-Kul. Yes. Yes, but also you, I, I'm not generalizing because, you know, the daughter, the daughter of uh, James Wright is a wonderful she person. Is. Mitzi, hmm? and she's very open, and she fell in love with Egypt, and she's not racist at all. So it's not. I'm not presenting, you know, uh, some characters to 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 make conclusion about it. But it, it, we must know that these kind of people exist, and uh, and with this uh, conversation between Odette, mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish uh, uh, liberal uh, communist, and I. I was writing, as I told you, I don't interfere. So they were talking, and I was just writing what they said. And I was, I was very happy because she was much more intelligent than he was. Uh, <laughs> and, and the reason for their liaison was much more to do with her intelligence than with her heart. I mean, she obviously yes. had no affection for the man. There was a, yes, absolutely. a bigger purpose absolutely. to the liaison. Absolutely. But I don't want to be a sort of spoiler of the novel... No, do I wish to deny our audience a chance to ask their question? I have to warn you, I'm a historian, but there are many people out here who are scholars of literature who are going to very ask much good. better you questions. You don't have to warn me. I'm, I'm very happy to, to talk with them. I'm going to hand over with one last question, which is, have you ever thought about approaching the Nasser years? Uh, yes, could be. And uh, why not? I, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not Nasserist at all, as a matter of fact. And I believe that Nasser was a great leader, but he is also... Honestly, the founder of all the dictatorship uh, machine in Egypt, mm. and uh, after, uh, uh, I, and I would say that even the democracy is the only solution in this in Egypt. Uh, and I could give a very good example, Nasser, because you you never you could never wait or expect a better leader or more sincere leader. Mm-hmm. But in a dictatorship, it should, it will always end by a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Accordingly, he is the one who made the, the machine, the, 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 the dictatorship machine. And anybody after Nasser uh, was any ruler was just uh, asked to go and to sit on the driving seat and he would put, put, push the button and the machine will mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, what arresting people, torturing people, uh, controlling the media, uh, the media, the, mm, telling lies about what happened, you know, uh, building up the image of the hero, mm-hmm. of the, you know, uh, uh, controlling the masses through the idea of uh, conspiracy, that everybody is, all the West is against us and everybody's against us because of our... Re- all these are uh, Nasser, uh, you know, inventions. Accordingly, when he died, of course he did very good things, but but when he died, the, the, the machine, uh, you know, continued. Well, I know better than to ask you what your next book is about. You're very good at keeping that secret. 
No, it's no. Well, I could, because you're a dear friend, and I could, <laughs> could tell you some. <laughs> With that invitation, I'm going to ask you, what's your next book about? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My, my, my next book, I'm working on a novel called uh, The Republic as If, and uh, the main idea is that under a dictatorship, uh, nothing is true. Uh, the people among you who lived under a dictatorship like myself, they know very well that under a dictatorship, nothing is true. The only truth in under a dictatorship is a dictator. But I don't know if you, for me, uh, since I was a kid, I, I used to see this scene, for example, you know, the president and the minister mm. of interior uh, after a, a referendum. Hmm? And then the, the Minister of Interior will read some papers saying that, uh, Mr. President, uh, we had uh, to listen to the voice of the people, and uh, the people who voted are uh, 14 millions or 20 millions, and the people, the people, uh, and the, the, you uh, had the, you know, the confidence of the Egyptian people again, and with a percentage of 99%, right? And then uh, the president would say, thank you very much, and the minister of interior would say, I know that uh, the work is very hard, Mr. President, and this is a burden, but this is your destiny to uh, save uh, this country, you know, and everybody knows that nobody went to the referendum. Everybody knows that by no means it will be 99%. Mm-hmm. And what is very interesting is that the president knows that we know, right? <laughs> but everything looks as if it was true. You know, you are a historian in Iraq once when I find, you know, Nasser who began this 99% mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. referendum, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in Iraq once, there was a kind of enthusiastic, there was a dictator, of course, uh, a referendum, of course, and there was a kind of, uh, of uh, uh, kind of enthusiastic minister of interior. So he made the result of the referendum uh, 104%. <laughs> You could find the name. I, I, I don't. Uh, but this is true. This happened, and then uh, the well, president. Well, some patriots had died. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, the president asked the minister of interior, "What is this? I mean, one o four percent. I mean, it's." Uh, and he said, "Because you know, the it was in Iraq, so the Iraqi people uh, trust you, uh, Mr. President, more even the, uh, than the other uh, other Arab presidents." Accordingly, uh, there were people who voted, and they were not registered, right? Uh, and they insisted to vote, so we registered them, and then it was one or four percent. And well, the, the the dictator was intelligent enough to uh, he fired him, you know, he kicked him out, and I think it was a good thing. And then he uh, he hired another one. Uh, and he uh, made, uh, again, uh, remade the, the referendum, and the result uh, was 98%, 98%, which is okay. It's quite fair. 
Well, I look forward to seeing yes. the next novel and, right. and finding out the address as, you know, clubs, yes. buildings. Yes. So we look forward to seeing uh, thank you the next very much. And you have to come back here. Yes, of course. It, it's, it will but you be. haven't left here yet because there's still a lot of people here who want to ask you questions. Yes, of course. So I will now surrender the floor and invite your questions. But you have to be bold enough to put up a hand. Thank you very much, Dr. Aswani.